Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe. And I'm a pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us this morning. And we believe God has a word for you. And God's got special things for each one of us. You know, that's who he is. He loves to bless his children. And we pray today that uh, if you don't know Jesus, that you just bow your heart even during this time together and ask him to come into your life and save you and also just set you free. Maybe there are things you're dealing with. You're saying, I just don't want them in my life anymore. And God is obviously our deliverer and he will set us free. He's so good. I pray again today that God would give you hope because a lot of people today since the COVID virus have lost a lot of hope. You know what I thought also today I'll share with the congregation here and also each one of you who are watching this, but that the joy of the Lord would be your strength. A lot of times, you know, the enemy comes in and tries to just he steals our joy. And uh, I just pray that by God's spirit, he would impart to each person here and those watching just an impartation of the joy of the Lord. And you would again, you know, it just laugh again, be lighthearted again. We've been so serious about life because of COVID. We haven't been able to, to do the things we want to do. We're being set free, obviously, in the natural. But also Jesus just said we can have the joy of the Lord in spite of our circumstances. I pray today that you would have the joy of the Lord. And so we thank the Lord. Let's begin this service with prayer. Father, thank you that we can pray in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our churches, the body of Christ, what you're doing across this land. We give you praise. And Lord, today we will just want to tell you, you are good. And Lord, we know you're good all the time. And we know today, Father, that uh, you're up the great things in your children's lives and we pray today that we wouldn't just learn it intellectually we would experience you and that we would know you like we've never known you before because we believe that's your desire we believe that's your heart towards your children and so lord come and touch us speak to our hearts dear lord and move and father we ask you that you would do that any way you desire by the power of your spirit lord every person would be moved in their innermost being And dear Lord, that Jesus would be exalted, that he would be glorified, that he would be lifted on high and that every person, Lord, would just jump and shout and say, thank you, Jesus. What a great and wonderful salvation that you have provided. Thank you, Father, today that we know that you're up to great things. We ask you to revive our land. We just pray that, Father, open the blind eyes and open and unstop and unclog the deaf ears, that we may hear you, that we may see you, that we may exclaim who you are, dear Lord, to the nations. And dear Lord, today we pray, even in this service, would you begin that? Would you continue on working in that manner to truly call on us forth, to go forth into a world of darkness and shedding and allowing the light of Jesus to shine through us? Speak to us now. We ask you to anoint these words today and Father, that you would speak and let me get out of the way and let your word, your truth go forth in power and we'll give you praise. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and speak and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna look at Ruth chapter three. We know you followed us through the first two chapters of Ruth, Uh, a wonderful story. Now, given some handouts here, in the congregation about the kinsman redeemer. If you haven't gotten one of those, be sure and get one of those before you leave. Uh, Real simply about the kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. 
And we're going to see here, even before Jesus came physically here on this earth, actually the story of uh, Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. And it's wonderful because obviously symbolic of uh, back then, before Jesus even came, symbolic of who the kinsman redeemer is. And I want to talk about that probably next week is Mother's Day. I want to even now just thank thank the Lord for all of our mothers. And so next week, probably a, a Mother's Day a message, but also we'll spend next the following week. We'll go back to the book of Ruth. So we're going to look at Ruth chapter three and we're going to look at verses one through seven. Maybe you can read it. If you'd like to stand, you can stand as certainly the, the Lord is worthy. You can stand or sit, but read the word with me if you would. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes and then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. And so she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down on the, at the far end of the grain pile and Ruth approached him quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Amen. Powerful in seven verses exactly what the Lord is saying. I pray God would speak to you today because it's so powerful here. Just uh, The Word of God always amazes me. You can take just a short phrase in the Word of God and you can see it affects your life. It will change your life. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is so powerful. And when you read the Word of God, you sit back and you think sometimes you don't always feel anything happening. But I want to tell you today, Things happen when you sit down to pray and to read the Word of God. And God honors that. And He gives grace. He gives power in your life. And we need power, I'll tell you. I ask for power every day in my life that I will live the life that God has called me to, that I'll obviously flee from temptation, rise against those things that are coming against us because we are in a war today, and that I will live the life pleasing unto the Lord. And so uh, it is it's amazing what God <clears throat> can do as we bow our heads and say, Lord, I need you. Real simply, isn't that real simple? I need you, Lord. And that's what we're saying here today. And that last song, the last song we just sang, Lord, we are desperate for you. And we express that because uh, obviously we are desperate for the Lord. So we're looking here at Ruth chapter 3. We've learned here, remember Naomi had lost her husband and her two sons. And then she was going back into Bethlehem, Judah. And uh, she didn't have anything. All she had was Ruth. She wasn't real happy, obviously. She was grieving. And she was a bitter old woman. She actually had become bitter, and we, we learned about that and, and the things that uh, he, she had experienced, and uh, obviously, but at this point, you're going to see some things changing. And how many of you know here today that God can change things suddenly? Amen? Raise your hand. God can change things suddenly, okay? Sometimes we persist, and we definitely need to persist, whether it be in prayer or just hang in there in our Christian walk. But all of a sudden, it's almost like God gives a breakthrough. And bam, bam, here he comes. And he does something. And you go, wow, 
I thought I was all alone. I thought that I would have to remain in this situation all of my life. And all of a sudden, God comes and changes it. And this is what happened in this particular situation. Because we last saw Naomi actually was bitter. But things began to change in her life. I'd like to read a story to you that I thought was very interesting. It was Sunday morning and Harry was off. He pulled uh, in in the driveway in his two-seater convertible with the roof closed because of typical driving rain where he lived and headed for church. But as he turned into the main main road, he saw ahead of him three uh, figures huddled under a, a single umbrella at the next bus stop. One was old Miss Fletcher. She still insisted on getting the to church by herself, despite her arthritis, which she always was always worse in wet weather. And there was Dr. Jones, the local GP. A year earlier, Dr. Jones had diagnosed a rare and dangerous disease that Harry had contracted on an overseas vacation. And so Harry virtually owed his life to him. And the third person was Judith. Harry had had a crush on Judith for the past six months since she joined their church, but had never had the courage or opportunity to ask her out. Harry had about three seconds to decide what to do. There was only one spare seat. Who should he offer a lift to give a lift to? But three seconds was enough. He pulled to a halt, jumped out, passed the keys to Dr. Jones, helped Mrs. Fletcher into the passenger seat, then modestly waved them goodbye as he huddled close to Judith under the umbrella. Well, he wanted to be there anyway, didn't he? He had a crush on her. He had to make a decision very quickly. And we see here, things changed, obviously, all of a sudden. We'll see here, obviously, sometimes in matters of romance, chance, and good sense often go together to bring about a happy ending. This is what we see in this particular story. In fact, in so many areas of life, God's will is brought about by a combination of divine providence, which we've talked about, or sovereignty. In other words, God is moving things into place, remember? Ruth happened to walk into the field owned by Boaz because she was hungry and she went in and and she gleaned the leftovers there of the grain. She just happened to be there. And I know I talked about in my life, there are many circumstances that have happened in my life that it just happened all of a sudden. And you wonder, how did that happen? And God brought it about because he loves us, because he's for us. It's because he moves us into a position always because he he wants us to know him and he wants an intimate relationship with him. And so all of a sudden these things happening, certainly providentially, but we have human responsibilities when God reveals himself in the manner that he does. We have responsibilities when he revealed himself to us that we realized that we were a sinner in need of God's saving grace through Jesus Christ. And we had to respond to him, didn't we? We had to say yes to Jesus. We had to say, yes, Jesus, come into my life and save me and deliver me and to cleanse me from my sins. My guilt and shame are too much. I can't carry it any longer. And what what happens when that takes place? The Bible talks about that God comes into our heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believing in Jesus, we're set free. And we're set free forever. And the Bible is so good about talking about once we're a child of God is that we no one can pluck us out of his hand. We stumble and fall. We still don't always do things perfectly. We know we still sin. We stumble into sin and so forth. But the Bible says no one shall separate or to to pluck us from the father's hand. So we see how we have a responsibility 
And it's certainly important that we respond in the way that God would have us to respond. And so when Naomi found out that Ruth had gleaned in the field of Boaz, she suddenly realized that God was up to something. You know, God's up to something right now. Have we got, got eyes to see it? Are we so busy that we're not looking? That we're not anticipating? That we're not expecting anything? We've been in this sort of humdrum type of position. I expect great things. How about you? Amen? I expect God to move in a powerful way today. Not because I'm trying to manipulate God. I can't do that. And that is not in any way on my heart. But I believe that's who God is. And I believe that God wants to obviously come and touch us in a way maybe He never has before. Okay? Because our God is always up to something. He obviously, you know, you think about it. When things get quiet and sometimes we think, well, maybe in one way I've disappointed God. Maybe because maybe something got in my life that I, I and even after confessing, we think, well, he he's left me alone and all. But let me tell you today, God is always working behind the scenes in your life and my life. He's working right now in the life of this church and every believer here today. And I don't believe anybody again is here by accident. I believe God is obviously ordained. You're here because you got up and you put your pants on. Hopefully you did. OK. And you came to church. You said, I'm coming to church. Here we come in with our aches and our bruises and all the things we've gone through in the week. And you said, I'm going to church and I'm going to hear a word of God. I'm going to worship in his presence today. And when you leave this place, I pray that you'll be refreshed because obviously we need to be refreshed. Amen. And certainly I believe that we're here today. God is up to something good and he encourages you. And I want to say, wow, you know, a lot of times when I put these things down, some of the things I just put W.O.W. Wow. You know, it's kind of like I can't I can't grasp it because it's so good. That's how big our God is. He is so good to us. He's a heavenly father. He's not up there saying the next time that you mess up, I'm going to hit you with my big spiritual stick. No, he doesn't. He says, come on, come on, get back up, my child. When we stumble and fall and we obviously all do. We all obviously have challenges in life. There are things that we deal with. Obviously, we wouldn't need Jesus if we were all perfect. I mean, obviously, you can ask my wife. I'm not perfect. Okay, don't ask her. She may really expound upon that. Okay, but we're not. We need Jesus every moment of every day. Amen. We're under construction. We talked about it in Sunday school today. And we certainly know that God is faithful to complete what he started in each one of us. That's good news today. Obviously, Naomi's whole attitude had changed. She remembered that Boaz were related to her husband and that according to the law of Moses, Boaz might be able to help them if he were able and he was willing here. And that was, I believe, the divine providence of things. When you look at the lineage of, of Ruth and Boaz as it led up to the birth of Jesus Christ in that lineage. Isn't that something how God works that out? You see, we don't know when God is working in our lives, just what we will leave as a legacy for those that are left behind. We don't know the divine influence that God has certainly used us for when we felt like, hey, I don't feel very useful. I don't feel like I've made a difference. Oh, yes, you have. The devil will tell you that you have not made any difference and you don't even need to continue on like that. You need to give up and throw in the spiritual towel. You need to do it. And God says, no, I'm using you. And I'm using you, obviously, because it's not just for this generation. It's for future generations. It's for our children and their children. The blessing that we've, you know, that that uh, Carrie Job and Cody Carnes sang, the blessing. It's for the generations, for following generations. And it go on and on and on and on. We need to believe that today by faith. 
You know, it may be obviously you're sitting there, but I'm not perfect, Jim. Neither am I. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying in any way that we haven't sometimes stumbled and fallen. But what I'm saying is God can take those things and turn them around. When people see that you're seeking the Lord, when just seeking the Lord and all, let me tell you, they want to know. God at times will give you in a suddenly moment and say, people will come up, come up and say, what, what's the difference? What's, what's happening in your life? You're changed. Something's going on in your life. And then you can say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. He changed my life, you see. There is obviously a divine providence to kind of on the side of things, but there's also the human responsibility. God had brought Boaz in their lines. And, and so what would they do in response to the opportunity that God had placed in their path? What will we do? God gives us an opportunity. What will we do? When God gives us an opportunity to bless someone else or to help someone else or to share the gospel, whatever it may be, what will we do with the opportunities that God uh, places in our path? You see, if we're willing to step out in those opportunities and be used of the Lord, don't you know God is, is really, He's going to use you and He'll use me. You know, you think, yeah, but I don't have a seminary degree and I don't have this and that. Well, at one time I didn't either. But I'll tell you one, the only thing I could do is step out in faith. And God has blessed me all the way along. And it's not just ministry because you and I are all called to be ministers. And so God is saying today, look at whatever opportunity he gives us and then take those opportunities. He talks about in this scripture, rest. And then in verse one, and the Hebrew word here, it seems to be settled in life or to be secure in a home. You know, Ruth was young and needed a husband. And obviously it was customary in that day for Hebrew parents to arrange the marriages for their children. Say Naomi was concerned that her daughter-in-law Ruth would have uh, had been so faithful to her, be settled and find a mate. She wanted him obviously to find a man in her life there. Boaz was Ruth's and Naomi's only hope for solving their problems and putting their lives back together again. And so Naomi conceived a plan. But in order for this plan to work, Ruth had to fulfill some definite conditions. And they're the same three things I believe that you and I need. If you have blown it in life, you feel like, and you feel like nothing is happening, and you feel like in one way or another, you just need to recover, that you're trying to get back upright on your feet today. Listen to these three things. I want to give you, it's not a formula, because that's not really in any way saying that in what it surely is, but there, there are actually four things that I want to talk about, that I believe. You feel like, hey, I want to get my life back together. I want to, uh, uh, I want to obviously please the Lord. I want to obviously have relationships with people and all in the right manner and so forth. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to these four things that happen, obviously, to Ruth and Naomi and to Boaz. First of all, to solve your problems and put your life together, you should have the right purpose. Have the right purpose. A lot of people have purposes today. There are lots of purposes for living. There's obviously we're just trying to make a living, right? Or maybe we're trying to get ahead and this or that. But we need to have the right purpose here. And here in this situation was Ruth's purpose purpose for going to the threshing floor and lying at the feet of Boaz was to establish a lasting relationship with Boaz. That was her purpose, you see. You see, obviously, uh, she uh, knew it, that obviously that he, she had gleaned in the fields of Boaz here, and she discovered that Boaz was really a, a, a relative, a near kinsman who could redeem her. Now, Ruth wanted to establish a permanent relationship uh, with him. You know, um, a lot of times Christians today, 
Christianity sounds good. And sometimes Christians will say, well, Lord, if you just get me out of this problem, I won't call on you again. I won't bother you. You know, people like that. Sometimes it's kind of like when we really get our backs up against the wall and really when we're really struggling and really we're being stressed out and so forth and all. And then we say, Lord, help me, help me. And, you know, many times God helps no matter what. But many times in that person's heart, the only reason they're crying out for help is to get out of that particular issue that they're involved in. And many times that issue is because they brought it on themselves. But we know, obviously, we need to uh, see here, God wants a intimate relationship with us. He wants a day-to-day, moment-by-moment relationship with us. He doesn't just want a, a sort of passing by type of thing. And, and sort of like, Lord, when I need you, I'll call on you. He wants to have that intimate relation. So we've got to get our priorities right, right? We've got to get back to the basics, you see. We've made money. We've got homes. We've gone through floods. We've gone through viruses and all these other things. But what is your purpose for living today? Is it to know God and to know him more intimately? Is it to obviously serve him and to please him and to really know him? What is the priority, you see? And you see, a lot of times we get in trouble because that has not been our priority. A lot of times that's the case. And sometimes even in Christians' lives, you see, we've strayed from the real foundational purpose and we obviously have gotten in a whole lot of trouble. And then we come back. But isn't God, God forgives, see? And God just receives us back each time. All of us, including myself, all of us today. But what he wants is an intimate, deep relationship. When you talk about intimacy, it's really close, isn't it? And you're thinking, I can have a relationship with God Almighty who created and spoke the universe into existence. I can have, yes. His word tells us that. In fact, that's his desire. His desire to do that is obviously much greater than our desire to even have that relationship. That's why he sent Jesus. You know, we love because he first loved us. We didn't love him because all of a sudden we got stirred in our heart and we love God. No, we love because Jesus loved us first. And we know that. And every now and then, God gives us a breakthrough, an encounter with him. Somehow he speaks to our hearts and says, come, to, come back to me, my child. Come to me. If it's, a, if it's the initial, obviously, coming to him, he begins to woo him. And then as a Christian, sometimes when we drift away, God begins to do things to, to bring us back into that intimate relationship with us. Because we obviously know in the scriptures that Jesus, it says that Jesus leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. He went after me. I was the one. You were the one. He left the 99 there and he went after the one and he went after you and he went after me. That's how much he loves us. Every now and then he begins to give us a glimpse of how much he loves us. And that's the wonderful thing about it in that deep, intimate relationship. He gives us a glimpse of that. We need to get back to the basics and that is to know God. Psalm 27, 4, David said this, the one thing that I asked, he had one priority. Now here was the king at that time, he was wealthy, had palaces, he had sl- people serving him and, and all that was going on. He won many wars, more than any other warrior, God's warrior, and, and so forth. But he had one thing on his mind, and he said this in Psalm 27, 4. And he said, the one thing that I ask, this is what I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and to gaze upon his beauty. He had one one purpose and that was to seek the Lord to dwell with the Lord to know him to to obviously live for him all the days of his life 
That's good. And so I've always said, and I say on Wednesday night in our teaching in the book of Revelation, that if we drifted from that particular primary purpose, we need to ask the, that the Lord would use his word to bring us back and the Holy Spirit. Have you lost that one purpose in your life today? Maybe you've strayed today. And you see, God gives us an opportunity to just say, Lord, I've missed that purpose. I, I've drawn away. I've drifted away from that. But I want to come back. You see, God takes our wants to's and then he turns it into actually something he does something with. Isn't that good news? You know, we don't come and say, well, let me get it all straight, Lord, and then I'll call upon you. No, he says, call upon me now. If you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your souls. Come to me. All you are burdened and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And that rest there that I mentioned earlier is talking about that resting in the Lord. A lot of us are striving. A lot of us are working. Maybe for our salvation. Maybe we're trying to just please God by working. Maybe if I do a little bit more and you feel like, man, I'm all tied up in knots. And I can't get out of it. God says, I want to give you rest today. And God gives that really abundantly. We ought to seek, obviously, the same thing in our Christian lives that Ruth sought with Boaz, a desire to know God intimately, total commitment to him and having that relationship. Because again, when we drift, we find out life is not satisfying. It just does not satisfy. We find out it's like it leaves a bitter taste in our mouths, doesn't it? You know, we try to be happy. We try to make it work and so forth. But we lose the joy of our salvation. We lose things that are so pertinent to our lives to be able to reflect the light of Jesus to the world today. And we begin to walk just as the world walks the same way today. But you see what God is doing in your life and my life today is he's restoring that. He's restoring the joy of his salvation, you see. And God is working things out that that will really bless our lives that we we go, wow, wow, wow. That's who our God is. He does that here, you see. By entering into a deeper relationship with Boaz, Ruth could enjoy not only his gifts, but she could actually enjoy the giver. Man, I love the gifts of God. How about y'all? I love it and I pray for it and we need it. But you know who? what we need? We need the giver of the gifts. We need to know him. I listened to a song. I was listening to it last night. Cindy, I was sitting on the patio and I was singing it. And Cindy was in the bedroom there. And uh, I was singing. It's called uh, 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 Only You. It's Cody Carnes there. I love it because it's basically he's saying nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You know, he said, I just want to know you. I just want you. Nothing else matters. I'm sorry. I, I just sang another song. You know, I told the Lord, I'm sorry. I just preached another sermon, Lord. I'm sorry that uh, uh, these things are going. I'm sorry that I've just gone through the motions. You feel like you've gone through the motions or somewhat. And I'm sorry. So I was singing on the back porch there. And as I came in there and she said, somebody is singing in the neighborhood. And I said, it's me. I was sitting out there. She goes, that was you singing? And I said, yeah, right in the patio. You heard me. She said, I thought it was the next door neighbor. I was going to kind of get you in here so you could go over there and y'all could sing together. I said, it was me singing out there. Nothing else matters, you see. Nothing else matters except Jesus. The only way you can have that is come and humble yourself. The second thing is solve your problems. You've got problems. And put your life back together. You've got to go to the right person. A lot of people today, you know, uh, Barnes and Noble, they don't have a whole lot of stores open, so they're not uh there are not a lot of uh, stores like that, but you can order online. A lot of people get self-help books, okay? 
A lot of people will turn to particular things maybe someone's told them. And they haven't gone to the right person. They've not looked to the source of their strength. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to give that strength to you and me. And see, Ruth could have settled for less than the best and fall in love with and married another man. Evidently, the Bible talks about she was very attractive. So she could have probably gotten any man that she wanted. But you see, she didn't want to settle for less than best. And you know what? In my life, and I bet in your life too, that you don't want to settle for less than best. You want the best, amen? You want the best for your life. You want to be in love with the one that can obviously be with you forever and ever and ever because that's what's going to happen as Christians. You want to be in love with someone that obviously will, will obviously nurture you through life and, and you can have an intimate relationship with him. Jesus is his name. Throughout life, you see, we don't want to be in love with the things of the world. And God talks about that. We need to obviously crucify and, and put those things down. We don't need those things. We need to be in love with our Savior, you see. A lot of times, obviously, in the book of Revelation, in the church at Ephesus, it talks about, God says, you've done a lot of good things. You've done a lot of, he's speaking to the church, Jesus was saying, and he's walking amongst the churches there, and he's telling them, because he wants them to come back. And he says, he said, you've done a lot of good here. You've done a lot of good things, and I want to commend you on it, but you've missed the mark on one thing. What's that? He said, you've walked away from your first love. Your first love. When you walk away from your first love, when I walk away from my first love, then life crumbles. It doesn't have, the obviously, the sweetness that it would have otherwise, you see. And it's so easy because the flesh is just pulling and just pulling at you, saying, oh, come on. Can I just have a little bit of fun? Knowing Jesus, you'll have all the fun you need. And being in love with Him today. You see, what's going to happen when we face Him face to face? The Bible says one day we see through a glass darkly now. We're squinching, we're looking. and But it says one day we'll see Him as He is. One day we will see Him exactly as He is. And let me tell you, you're talking about the wows that I put on this paper. I'm talking about our hearts will leap with joy and say, Wow! Our God! But I don't want to wait for heaven. I believe when I was born again that I can step into things today in that manner also, you see. The Bible says I'm already seated in heavenlies with the Lord right now, and so are you as Christians. We're already seated. We're already there. One day, obviously, my spirit will go and be with the Lord there. The body will stay here. One day, my body will be resurrected, obviously. But I don't want to wait till then. I want to love my Savior now in a manner that's honorable to Him. He gave His all. Why can't I give my all also? But if we don't, we'll never taste that goodness like God desires, you see. But you see, Ruth wanted the best and she went after it, you see. Only Boaz could meet her needs and he could restore the lost wealth of Elimelech. Remember? Naomi's husband. And it was he who Ruth wanted to marry. Only God can restore us. And you see, what's happened when you look at the original sin in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, when they stumbled and fell, they uh, obviously lost it all. But what did God's plan that he had in his heart from eternity past, what did he want to do? He wanted to restore mankind to that intimate relationship with him. That's who our God is. He's a God of restoration. He's a God now that's restoring Christians like I'm telling you, I've never seen before. God is bringing people back 
Because that's who He is. He wants us to know Him. He realized that life has left a bitter taste in our mouth. And God is saying today, I want you to taste that I am good. And He's good all the time. He's saying today, He obviously restores us. And fulfill the law of the kinsman redeemer. That Boaz in this case, and Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Obviously, if if man were not the immediate relative here, obviously, remember, remember that and, and, and actually the the truth of the matter was it would go to the next of kin. But that person did not want to take up the role of kinsman redeemer. But the next kin of kin was Boaz. And Boaz said, yes, I'll take up that role. He said, so God had a plan. So if one turns you down. God's going to raise somebody else to begin. But there are two things here that had to take place. Then obviously Boaz had to be willing or, or able. I'm going to start with able. Uh, Boaz had to be able to do that, you see. And Boaz was able, you think, because he was the next in line to marry. And again, Ruth married Boaz. How he, was, he was able to do that. In our life, Jesus is able to save us. Jesus is the only one that can save us. I was thinking about that last night and just kind of thinking over this message and all is that many people today believe there are many ways to salvation. Many people believe I can be good enough because I really haven't done anything really bad, you see. But we were born into sin. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 talks about that. We know that in our hearts today. But pride keeps us from admitting it. But Jesus Christ, a sinless Savior, the unblemished Lamb of God, who came and went to Calvary for you and me and all the world, who took on His shoulders all the sins of the world, and whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's just there by grace through faith, believing that He is the Savior of the world. And He's your personal Savior. That's it. Isn't that great? We think, man, that sounds mighty easy. And people will go, well, I don't believe in this Jesus thing. Because you talk about he shed his blood. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews, without the shedding of the blood, there can be no remission of sin. There cannot be any. There has to be the remission. There has to be the shed. God's plan. Well, theologically, I don't have time to go into it right now. But it's all according to the plans of a holy God. The only way is through the sinless a Lamb of God, through Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You remember John the Baptist saw him in that manner. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He didn't know any sin. He had never committed sin. But he took the sins of the world. Remember, God had to turn his back. That was the most horrible thing, I'm sure. Turn his back because he couldn't look upon sin. And this was taking place right there at Calvary. And Jesus willingly went. You remember, he was, he was uh, deity. He was divine. He was God. But he was also man. So he was human. He felt pain just like you and I. He felt rejection just like you and I did. He felt, obviously, people turn away from him when he was offering the free gift of salvation and, and rejection like nothing we've ever experienced. Have you ever been rejected? <laughs> I have. It's painful, isn't it? Jesus felt the ultimate rejection of people saying, we don't want your salvation. We believe that we can save ourselves by obeying the law or maybe being good enough. And how people say that today. And you know what? I see people today floundering through life. And I just want to say, do you want to know the answer? Do you have a purpose for life? 
Do you know the right person to go to? That they can obviously reach out. Jesus can save you. Jesus can put your feet upon a rock. Jesus can obviously bring stability to your life. Do you know what you're doing? You want to do that. There are people all around us today, folks. People are not interested. But I believe God's going to make them interested. I believe there's certain numbers that God can put before us today that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ, you see. In Hebrews chapter 7, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God through him. He's able. He is able. And obviously he is willing. Oh, is he willing? In John chapter 10, Jesus made it very clear when he said, therefore doth my father love you because uh, I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down voluntarily. I have power to lay it down and I've got power to take it up again. He laid his life down voluntarily. No man took his life. The Jewish people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those uh, Sadducees, all those C's, they had no obviously power to take his life. He said, I lay my life down voluntarily for mankind through all generations, past, present and future, you see. Because those in the Old Testament believe that Bible says to Abraham, he believed and God credited to him his righteousness. He saw, obviously, he, they look forward to the cross. What we do, we look back to the cross. Jesus is the only way. I want to tell you, we'll live with him forever and ever and ever. It's going to be beyond anything you can imagine today. It's going to be so wonderful. I can't even explain halfway, try to get across to you today through my language in one way or another, how great it's going to be. And Jesus is the only way, but he was willing. And he's our kinsman redeemer. He's our kinsman redeemer, you see. He's willing to save us. And you know what? Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. You see, our God has a heart for souls. Our God has a desire that all would come to salvation. There'll be some that reject. But you see, the heart of God towards mankind is he wants everybody saved. He wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants everybody in heaven with him. Will everybody be there? No. The Bible says that broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. Because people say, Jim, you're just so narrow minded saying this Jesus thing is the only way. But it is. And I believe it. And I know you do too. There's no other way. Broad is the way to destruction. Many people, oh, many ways get there. I don't want to follow that. I want this uh, Jesus stuff. Are you a Jesus freak? You know? And I go, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing, okay? But he's the only way. There's no other way. And there's no other name under heaven by which men should be saved except by the name of Jesus, you see. The third here, you need to make the right preparations. Oh, I love this. Remember what she said? And and the word said in verses two through four. Now, is not Boaz of your kindred? Remember with whose maidens thou uh, are with? Behold, he he went of barley tonight and the threshing floor and washed yourself. Therefore, remember, anoint yourself and put on uh, uh, beautiful clothing and get down to the floor, the threshing floor. But don't make yourself known to this man until he shall be done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he's when he lays down and you mark the place where he will lay and you'll go in and uncover his feet 
and lay there down at that place, he says, and he will tell you what to do. First of all, Ruth didn't do anything wrong. There was no immorality here that <clears throat> that was there. Actually, uh, Boaz had an impeccable, impeccable integrity and character, and Ruth also. So it wasn't anything there. But this is so symbolic of, obviously, something so important in our lives. If you want to live the abundant life, if you want to come out of that which you've been in and you want your life restored, some of it's so important what we're going to talk about in just a moment here. Obviously, Boaz uh, recognized what was going on and, and uh, then he said, he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. He says he didn't want a rumor starting. He didn't want that at all. But we know here in chapter 3, Naomi gave Ruth some instructions about how to prepare for meeting with Boaz. And Naomi's instructions to Ruth have a spiritual application for us today. First of all, she has to wash herself. Wash herself, get cleaned up. Everybody take a shower this morning. Everybody, our sponge bath. Everybody, thank you. Wash yourself. Now I'm talking about the physical. But God's talking about the spiritual. And he's saying, let the word of God wash you. In other words, come to the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart and try me. And see if there's any offensive way within me. And lead me into the way everlasting. Is there anything, Lord? Put your spot. Let me bring it to you. And let me confess it. And let me repent. And Lord, you'll cleanse me. Because he promises in 1 John 1, 9. He says that he'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that cleansing's continuous. Like if we'll just say, Lord, is there something in my life you just want to deal with? Just come to him. I do. I know this past week, you know, I was dealing, I don't know what was going on. I, I think it was just in the, my attitude, maybe in a way, and it wasn't right. And I, I began, I said, Lord, what's wrong? Because something's not right. I would just felt that, you know, distant. And it was like, oh, it was like the Lord put his finger on it. And I came to the Lord and I said, Lord, I just bring this to you today. And I confess it's wrong. It's not wrong. And do you know what? It was like the, the windows of heaven opened up after that. It was like, wow, I can see the daylight today. But until you do, something is just blocking that. Ask the Lord to wash you and to cleanse you. And he'll do it every time. The second application here is for Ruth to anoint herself. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that? Amen? We need the anointing, actually, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be so full of a passion for Jesus. And the only one can do that is the third person of the Trinity. His name is Holy Spirit. Amen? And we need to be anointed to for him and, and to be used by him. We need him. I ask the Lord, anoint me every every time, every day, and especially when I get up to share the word of God. Lord, I need your anointing. It's not me speaking. It's got to be God's spirit speaking to you. But she said, anoint yourself, get ready. And then he talks about the third thing is, is that I believe, well, those two things anyway. Um, then he goes on, put your raiment. Upon you, put a good dress on. You see, go in and meet your your husband. Put on that. You know, right now we are robed, or we are clothed in the robes of righteousness. Right now, God sees us, me and you, as being saved, just like He sees His Son Jesus. We have been imputed or imparted with the righteousness of Jesus. He sees us that way. Don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Don't allow the devil to tear you down and say you're nobody and you'll never amount to anything. Maybe it's because you've stumbled and fallen and so forth. And the devil says you need to stay down there on your knees today. And yes, we do because we need to pray. But God says, come on, get back up again. 
I love you. I've got plans for you. But she said, put on your good dress. Go in there and meet your husband, you see. I believe right now, personally, in Revelation chapter 19, it talks about preparation of the bride and there'll be a wedding supper with the bride, which are born-again believers, I believe. And I believe there's a preparation that's going on right now, folks. I believe that we're being prepared. We're being prepared, obviously, for eternity. But we're being prepared in the here and now for things that God has in His highest purposes for you and me. But He is preparing you and me. I don't want to miss out on it. How about you? I want to be ready, you see. So she said here, to be prepared and get ready here. Very, very important. Colossians chapter 3 says this, but now you also put off these. Anger? Put off anger. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. And, And don't lie seeing that you've put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. We're to put off these evil things in our hearts. And what? Put on the new man, Jesus Christ. Amen. We can do that right now. Lord, we just put off the old man. Can you say it with me? We just put off the old man and we put on the new man right now. Put off all that junk, anger, whatever it is, malice or whatever it may be. And we put on Jesus Christ. Amen. We put that on today. Put your life back together. We've got to do these things. The last point is, you've got to to be in the right place. Where did uh, Ruth uh, posture herself? Anybody? Anybody to speak up? At His feet. At His feet. Where do we need to get? At the feet of Jesus? Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Martha was in the kitchen. She's doing a lot of good things, but she is busier and obviously uh, than anything around. And Mary, what? Set at the feet of Jesus. And remember, Jesus said, she's the one that's going to be commended. Nothing wrong with serving the Lord. We need to serve the Lord. But you see, the other side of that, we got to sit at the feet of Jesus. You need to learn to work. We need to study. We need to, uh, to be built up. We need to... Uh, to be obviously get out and do what God's called us to do. But we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. The application is so relevant for today. We need to listen to what God has to say to each one of us. And we know, obviously, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus. Question is, have you come to the feet of the Lord of the harvest? And Naomi told Ruth, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? That it may be well with thee. We'll find no rest until we come to Jesus. You're not going to. It's turmoil. There's too much chaos. There's too much things going on around us today. I don't know about y'all. I always thought, Cindy and I have talked about it. I thought things would get maybe a little bit easier the older I got. No, it doesn't get any easier. Life's tough. It's tough. And, and besides that, when you're a Christian and you walk in with it, then obviously you've got a bullseye on your back because Satan wants to take you down. Those that are already in his camp, it's not really anything to be done there. But those who really want to testify, really want to walk in that highest purposes that God has for you and for me, knowing Jesus, knowing him crucified, the power of his resurrection today, Satan said, nope, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop it. And I'm going to do all I can to keep you from walking in that relationship that I know God wanted from eternity past. And, you know, we're not here by accident. He knew when we'd be born. He knows when we'll go home. And we can rest Learn to rest in the Lord. Old saints called it resting in the Lord. Remember in the book of in the Old Testament there, the Hebrew children, they wandered in the desert. Why? 
They didn't ever enter God's rest. Why? What did the Bible say? Why did they not enter into the rest of God? R-E-S-T. Anybody? Because of unbelief. The Bible says that they didn't believe God. They didn't believe that they could go into the promised land. And obviously, because they had the 12 spies that came back, and only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we can take it. But the other ten, no, nah, they're too big. They're too big. You see, it's the same application today. If we look at life and say, life's too big. Nope, nope. And God is telling you all along, I've made a Joshua out of you. And I want you to go in. You can take it. You can go in and do what I've told you to do. You can go back and take the ground the enemy has stolen from you and your family and from this culture that we're living in today. He's saying that to you and me. But do we believe it? You see, we can't enter into the rest of God if we don't believe God to begin with. And that's what the Bible says. It's important to know and to be able to rest in Him. A lot of things keep us from, from that. And that is unbelief, a lack of faith, lack of a knowledge of God's Word, unbelief, uh, a, a lack of relying upon God, worry, fretting, realize God's in control here. In Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. What's that mean? In the Hebrew, actually it means put your arms down. Relax. Relax. And know that He is God. If you're striving today and you're just full of all types of anxiety and all those types of things, come to Jesus. Put it down. Relax. And come to Him. He wants to move in your life a lot more than you even want Him to move in your life. Isn't that great news? Because I don't know where I am sometimes on the spiritual board. <laughs> I'm all over the road, okay? But God's saying today, relax. Be still and know that He is God. Obviously, we stay in the field and labor under our own resources, we'll get by. But we'll never, obviously, uh, we'll have a measure of protection and provision. Certainly, God obviously honors that, but we'll be missing out on the greatest thing we could ever have in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing Christ. Knowing Jesus in that. So, let's not do as Naomi initially had done by rebelling, arguing with God's work in our life or worrying about the future. Obviously, let's cleanse our lives from sin and let's submit to the Holy Spirit. Good news, amen? You know, I get up here and actually, <laughs> in many different ways, I say the same thing each Sunday. <laughs> Give your heart to Jesus. But the Word all obviously points to Jesus. The Old Testament, all of the Old Testament is all about Jesus. It is. Then in the New Testament, Obviously, it's Jesus concealed in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it's Jesus revealed. But it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. Why not surrender and sit at His feet and give your heart and life to Him today? And that's what I just want today to ask you. If there's someone here or whoever, or maybe, maybe it's just a bunch of you, whoever, I pray with you on that and I also... Believe, I always surrender my life. I come up here and, you know, I always preach to myself, trust me. I need this. I need to come back. That's why we're here. We're not here to obviously hear another lecture. We're here to actually encounter the living God and to know Him. You see, by coming and saying, Lord, I just want to sit at your feet. I've been busy. Certainly in ministry, it's busy and all, and and, and what you do in life is busy. Life is just hectic right now. But Lord, give us grace to sit at your feet.
Give us grace to totally surrender to you and to know you and to walk with you every day. Give us grace to do that. I just believe God will take you at your word. You desire that from your heart. I believe God will do it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Live and go with the right purpose, the right person. Get prepared. Know the Lord. Be ready. Be ready at all times. You say, well, you know what? Some people say, well, Jesus hadn't come back since then. I've been getting ready and all that. Don't ever, ever let your guard down. Always be ready. He could come back at any moment. He could come and break through the clouds right now. I don't, I don't know what when he's coming back. No man knows. Only the Father. But we need to always be ready and to know him. Well, death could come very quickly. You know, we don't never know. We don't know. People go out into eternity. And they're not prepared. They have never a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you, anybody watching this today again, I just revisit that. If there's anyone watching, never, ever giving their heart to Jesus. Today would be the day to say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. I believe that you are the son of God and you died for my sins. And I want you to I'm asking you to forgive me and come in my life and save me. God, real simple, isn't it? And then anybody here, the same thing, the same prayer. And anybody watching today that maybe you've drifted away from God and you just want to come back to the highest purposes that God has for you. Today would be the day you just say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm going to return. And I need you. And I ask you, Lord, to come and refresh me and restore me. And Lord, bring me back into that because I know God wants to do it. And God is willing and he's able. Hallelujah. That's who our God is. May God be forever praised and glorified. Amen. All God's people said amen. Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for this time together. We honor you. We worship you. We praise you because you are the God Almighty. And Lord, you, you started this by sending Jesus, Lord. We didn't want to have anything to do with you. But somehow you just got a hold of us and we're grateful and we'll be eternally grateful. We'll give you praise throughout eternity. So, Lord, today I pray people here would experience you, your peace, maybe joy. Maybe some people here have lost the joy of the Lord. And today that you, Holy Spirit of God, we ask you that you would restore the joy of their salvation, your salvation. That you would restore people here watching this, people here, restore our relationships. And help us to come back and just say, Lord, do it again. Let us get back to the basics. So, Lord, we thank you again for what you're doing in the earth. Send revival. Send an awakening. An awakening that will enlighten people's hearts. And, Lord, we'll never be the same again. We love you. We praise you. And we ask these things with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching today. We thank you. Join us next week. Uh, it's Mother's Day. I pray everybody would really honor their mothers because mothers are obviously they, they are very, very strong and they're very obviously so influential in our lives. So have a blessed day in the Lord. Come back to see us. God bless. Amen. Amen. Thank you.